there is a massive lag. <laughs> Just uh, FYI, as we go forward, you'd think we'd be better about this in the year of 2020. Where, where, where is my like instant technology? communications? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know how to be better about that. It's where, just it's where, just the way the world is. Where is that weird high-speed antenna thing they have in Ender's Game? I feel like AOL Instant Messenger was more reliable than this. It's because we got distracted by social media, and those overlords have made sure to just make us uh, docile. What What is it? Is it called? The um, the circus and bread and circuses? Oh, yeah. P- Panama, at, at That's circus, the direction technology like has gone. Oh, man. Yeah. G- good old Panem. Thanks a lot. President Snow, Carolianus, classy bastard, poisoning son of a bitch. Sorry, I could I could vamp on that for forever. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were so into the Hunger Games, dude. I loved the Hunger Games. Um, I, I I I like very. I was about to say I digested, which would be just too too on the nose for talking about Hunger Games. But I like devoured. Oh, that's even more on the nose. Whatever. I, I read them very quickly and I, I'm, I'm a really slow reader. So that, like that is that is a testament to how into the series I was. But by the time I reached the end of I guess it's the third book. Have, have you read them? Yeah. And I actually had a similar thing where I read all three within a couple of days. It was yeah. Wild. Yeah. Like I was just listening to Machine Head because um, they had just put out a new album and reading the books. And then spoiler alert for our for our lovely listeners. They killed fucking Prim and the whole point of the story went out the window. Um, They also turned Katniss into kind of a ruthless killing machine. And I just kind of like at some point she shoots somebody in their apartment. Like it just it just felt very I don't know. It it was a weird 180 thematically. And like I still liked the overall arc of things and, and how the story wrapped up. But there's just that spot in the climax or the climactic area of the third book where everything just seems to kind of be like, I don't know, I guess we blow a bunch of shit up and, and it just, it it left like the weird taste in my mouth. And maybe that's the, the poison that I was being slipped the whole time. (laughs) I mean, most people agree with you from what I've heard. I personally always thought that it was a really interesting portrayal of what trauma and, you know, corrupt abusive governments can do to an individual. Yeah, like I think it got back on its footing at the end of the series, and I haven't read the the prequel just because I felt like nobody really asked for it. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, um, but that that's 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 neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, just it just it just felt it just felt kind of it was a weird way to go for that like what things were leading up to. But that's just me. That 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 that's me vamping about the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Everything's Bigger, a podcast about masculinity for dudes of all genders who ask why. And when we really get down into it, when we think about it, we realize, the the two of us at least, realize that masculinity is a whole lot like your favorite Halloween candy. There's so many different varieties Mm. of it. Do you like chocolate? Do you like peanut butter? Do you like chocolate with peanut butter in it? Do you like fruity stuff? Do you like crunchy stuff? What What kind of candy do you like? And the thing is that there's something out there for everyone. And it's really, really hard to get the concept of masculinity wrong Mm. unless... Unless, just like Halloween candy, there are some that we do not welcome in this house. Candy corn. Yes. Candy corn. Yes. Is toxic masculinity. There is no candy corn in this house. <laughs> I'm so here for it. I didn't know when it was going to end, but I'm here for it. I'm very anti-candy corn. Uh, but anyways, I'm Jackson Bird. And I'm Bo Mendez. 
And today, if you did not get it already from that and from the title, we are discussing Halloween. It's spooky season, people. We made it. It sure is. It is our favorite of the seasons, and we are going to get into all of that in just a minute. But first, we are going to just talk a little bit about how we've been, how the world's been. Um, Also, this is uh, our second time recording in our remote locations, not at the YouTube studio where we used to record, and we just feel like we're floundering a little bit as we get used to this didn't didn't quite plan as much as we usually do but you know we're, we're making it work <laughs> we're going in with with like no notes this is amazing we're in uncharted waters we are very much in uncharted waters that is the theme of 2020 yeah Ugh. Oof. Every, everyone's doing new things for the first time doing things in new ways what's weird to me is that this has started to feel so normal and like, that's exactly yes. what, oh I, my gosh, I have had the exact same realization this it, week that that's exactly what I didn't want to happen. But everything about this is just starting to feel so typical and like, and, and it's starting to intrude in all these other different areas of life. Like, uh, so we, we've been watching stuff on Hulu and with Hulu, you have the little ads. And I noticed that a bunch of companies now have ads that very prominently people prominently feature people wearing masks and like observing social distancing. And like, it's not just, it's not enough to have your voiceover be like curbside pickup is available. We'll see you soon anymore. It's like you actually have your actors in a filmed spot acting out curbside pickup and showing like all this sort of stuff. And, and, and it's, it's great because it's normalizing it for <clears throat> certain parts of the country that never got their shit together That's what and, I was gonna and, say. And, and didn't embrace that sort of behavior in the first place. But for those of us who have been here and observing this sort of stuff for seven months, um, it is really just kind of like hammering it home that like, this is how life is going to be at least for a little while. And it makes me think about the fact that the 1918 pandemic which I kept on drawing obvious comparisons to the fact that, you know, we live in New York and a lot of it took place in New York and it was a nice, even hundred years between. And I work for a historical society. Um, that was, that was two years. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about when, when we, when we started setting up for this, I was thinking about our last, you know, full on, uh, remote recording because we did the GLA thing, but that we were at least on video for, and it was like, you know, it had a different, feel a different different atmosphere it was live uh, all that good stuff but the, the one we did before that was the first one that we did in isolation and we were talking about our birthdays and i think there's stuff in there where i'm like yeah hopefully by the time my birthday rolls around things will be a little bit more different and things will be opened up a little bit more maybe all this will all this will be behind this and, uh, and now i i can re-listen to that for next year's birthday <laughs> i i I pushed as gently as I could, but I was getting in a lot of trouble with a lot of people at the time for trying to explain to people that like, this isn't two weeks, this isn't a month, this isn't three months, this is the next couple of years of our lives. And people did not want to hear that, which I understand. Um, but I think absolutely that's... correct. I did not want to hear that from you. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm, I angered quite a few friends. Um, but like, I guess that's why the fact that some things are feeling normal Um, And there's those portrayals in the media and stuff is like is helping me now because I've been freaked out for a long time, especially in March. I had a really, really hard time just because and I was hoping I was wrong, but I was like, this is like there is no going back to normal. This is just new normal. This is what life is going to be for a few years in some in some ways. 
Uh, and so now that it does feel normal is a little bit better. And like now that other people are coming around to that and especially like it's being portrayed in certain media and ads and stuff like that is helping me. Um, but I understand that I have often been on the opposite like side of the, the orbit of a lot of people throughout this experience. Yeah. D to be fair, you never got me angry. I, I respected everything that you were saying and I like kind of like filed it away with, I hope he's wrong, but just in case he's right, that sort of stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> just in case he's right, we're going to buy that extra like pack of toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, um, like I, 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 I went on the first grocery run on the way home from work, like the weekend that we, sh or the week that we started shutting things down and I got like an extra roll of toilet paper and a big thing of soap. And I was like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> then it was, became very clear, very obvious, very soon that we'd have to figure out other stuff. Um, so it, like when we when we've been planning since then, I've kind of had like a mixture of your voices, your voice and other voices that have been a little maybe a little bit more outwardly pessimistic, but in like a realistic sort of way. And, you know, I got to say, sometimes it's good to have that angel on your shoulder being like, no, 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 no. Take this a little bit more seriously than that, buddy. It's going to be OK, but only if you actually get your shit together. I always have to laugh when I think back at um, the start of lockdown because I, as as we just said, like I was sort of stocking up for about in small ways, like a month prior, you know, just adding a few extra things to the shopping cart here and there. But on March 15th or 16th, like the I guess the 16th, the day before the bars shut down in New York City. And so it seemed like it was really going to be a big deal. I had kind of my last hangout um, with uh, a friend and I was walking home and knowing that I wasn't going to be able to go out for St. Patrick's Day, I stopped in at a corner store and was like, I'm going to get my, myself a six pack of Guinness. And while I was in there, um, and it was the whole store had been transformed. It was the first time I went in somewhere with like all the employees wearing gloves and masks. And like, just you, you could feel that difference that things really had in March and April. But I, I go in to get my beer and I noticed that they have masks and hand sanitizer for sale. And I think I had maybe bought some, but I knew that they were really hard to find. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to pick up some of these while I'm here. And so I go to check out and all I had bought was a six pack of Guinness, a mask and one bottle of hand sanitizer. And the man checking me out just kind of gives me this look as if like I'm this poor soul who only heard about was what was happening today. And I think this is enough to get through. <laughs> and he just goes good luck <laughs> went off and I was like, uh, like I bet there were people doing exactly that. But fortunately it's, that was, that was not my case. It just looked like it. What a cinematic moment that is it the was. day before St. Patrick's day buying your Guinness and someone saying good luck. I don't know if he uh, had an yeah. Irish accent, but my head definitely just gave him one. Shockingly for my neighborhood. He did not, like, but yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm definitely picturing wearing one of those, like what are they called? The pork pie hats or whatever, you know, the, 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 the traditional kind of like the flat front ones oh yeah like, the flat cap like newsboy yeah exactly hat. he's like you got that kindly kindly irish bartender from cork energy just like good luck lad <laughs> no he was more like a, a late 30s weightlifting middle eastern dude all right fine but so you know total, total opposite truth is stranger than fiction sometimes it's um, very true but damn Halloween this year. Halloween this year is, is going to be it's going to be weird. And, you know, the, the great thing about Halloween is that it kind of gives you free license to just go ahead and be weird. All Halloweens are weird in a certain respect. 
but I think this year, you know, the last time that we did one of these and we were talking about, we were addressing the pandemic in the room, as I called it. Um, we were talking, or at least I was talking about like, Hey, hopefully I, I was saying like, hopefully by my birthday, it'll be cleared up. But, but in the back of my head, I was like, Hey, hopefully maybe by Halloween, uh, maybe, maybe we'll actually, because be you always to- host for we- listeners, Bo and his wife Sloan always host a big Halloween party. That is my favorite thing to do at Halloween. Well, that's the sweetest thing anybody's ever said about us. Uh, let, let's, <laughs> before before we put this show up, let's just cut that clip and I can just like play it on repeat uh, whenever we're feeling down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, that's our, our one opportunity to remind people that we don't hate them is the fact that we actually will invite them to our home um, <laughs> and, and and do Halloween <laughs> stuff, um, you know, and, and it's like we we try to go into it as much as you can without like a front yard to put headstones and all that sort of like cool. No, we can't wait till I have a front yard to put headstones in 12 foot home Depot skeleton. The, the only, all all I'm saying is, you know, if I had a yard and a car, I would have bought that already. Exactly. The, The only real winner of 2020 is the home Depot 12 foot tall skeleton. Um, Ugh. But yeah, so I, I, I was hoping that we'd be able to do that. And, 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 you know, it, it warms my heart to hear me, to hear you say that you enjoy that so much because we really enjoy doing it. And it's something that has kind of like, I don't know, become, uh, for, for, for the two of us, for, for my wife and I, it's become really important for just like our relationships with people, but it's also become really important for like how we view ourselves and, and when we're a relationship is to, to this time of year. And so, you know, I was hoping that things would have uh, returned to a certain degree. I, I don't want to say returned to normal because, you know, I, th- I think that that we've, we've heard this a lot. And I think that you and I have talked about this before. Normal kind of sucked. Um, so I don't really necessarily want to go backward at all. But I did think that we I, I, and I hoped that we would have gone forward to a point where we could resume. We where we could, you know, have a have an element of, of a traditional Halloween. And we're kind of not going to get that. But I don't think that that should keep it, keep us from trying to enjoy this holiday as much as we can, because like, you know, the, the things that we do in the modern era, like it's not necessarily like they're things that people have been doing since the beginning of time. Um, they're just like, you know, some they're, they're traditions and, and practices that we have kind of elevated to this point. And uh, there are other ways to make this time of year and this holiday feel special for us. Yeah, you know, I'm I've I've been pretty relieved seeing how into Halloween people actually are this year um because of course there are a lot of ways that we have usually celebrate that are not happening parades and and probably trick or treating is not going to happen in some communities at least with some families. Mm-hmm. Um and I did see a few people uh, online saying things to the extent of like this year is scary enough we don't need to do Halloween <laughs> what, what do you feel how does how does that sentiment make you feel I am against it but I have not unpacked why <laughs> I think it's because I fiercely love Halloween <laughs> so I just got knee-jerk angry at it oh dude I I I, I don't agree with that at all like I, I do think this year has been very scary um, but the thing about Halloween version of scary and real world version of scary is that they're, they're, they're two very different things. You know, I think that there's something, uh, life affirming, there's something joyful, there's something, uh, maybe a little bit mischievous, um, in the kind of scary that we experience, uh, for Halloween where it's kind of like, 
don't know, it's sort of actively holding a mirror up to ourselves and recognizing the things that make up, you know, the macabre, the horror, the, 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 the scary, the terrifying, but also like Halloween isn't always scary. I, I think, um, it's also a time where, you know, people might feel maybe a bit more empowered or they might feel like in touch with something that's a little bit difficult to explain. And so like, I don't think that there's ever a year that's too scary. I'm doing, I'm doing big quote fingers right now, dear listeners. Um, (laughs) I don't think there's ever a time that's too scary for that. Um, And there are other ways, you know, to adapt to the scenarios. Uh, The, 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 the one that I can think of right now, that's, you know, obviously stuff like virtual Halloween parties are going to be a thing, you know, um, our ours became virtual. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're definitely on the bandwagon for that. But I saw uh, to the subject of trick or treating, I saw people coming up with candy slides and it's just like, oh, a tube and you like know, zip line kind of things. Well, I, I've seen I've seen like uh, the, the kind of like plastic conduit that you'd use for like wiring. You get the brightest orange shade of that you can find. And this really only works if you have a house or at least a stoop and you stick it on yeah. like the railing for your stairs up to your doorway or something like that. And that way you maintain a safe degree of distance for you with a recently hand sanitized or beloved hand to grab your fun size three musketeers and pop a couple into one end of the tube. And ideally, since it would be like on the staircase, you get a little bit of a slope and then it shoots out the other side. And like what 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 doesn't what a, that communicates the spirit of Halloween so much where like you're actively looking the scary thing in the face and you're kind of laughing at it a little bit. Yeah, not in the sense where it's like you don't take it seriously, but where like you're 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 going to just like power through. And so I, I actually really admire that. So long as people on both ends of the candy tube are, you know, playing by the the public health rules and, and not taking any unnecessary risks. Like maybe maybe don't take a lollipop directly out of your mouth and then put <laughs> that in the candy tube. Yeah, those days like are a, over for now, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've had no spitting in each other's mouth, each other's mouths rules um, at some of the outdoor small like hangout sessions that we've had in my neighborhood. Uh, so it's a real bummer of a rule Fascism. that we had to add in 2020. No spitting in each other's mouths. Jeez, <laughs> you know, wh- wh- where will it where will it stop? I'm being ki- I'm being kidding. I'm kidding, folks. Yeah, but I'm but, being kidding. Is that a thing that people say? Um, not really. But you know, <laughs> if you want to say it, you can try to make it a thing. But no, I. I How do words? <laughs> I think you had a great point about you know looking the scary thing in the eyes and either just just confronting it or perhaps embracing it in some way or you know making it funny, making it bearable in a way that you feel like you can take charge over it. I think that's a big part of Halloween uh, in different types of traditions over the millennia. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's just so many different incarnations of Halloween that have existed. And I think that's one of the cool things about it is there are a lot of different things that Halloween can mean to different people in, in very meaningful ways. Yeah. I think it, it, and you know, you can start off with like the history of it, you know, when, when, cause Halloween of course is like all Hallows Eve. So it has a direct tie with the, the observances of all saints and all souls day. Um, cause that's, you know, those are, those are the, the, the all hallows days. Um, and so you have like the direct tie to that. So there's a lot of tradition there, but then you look even further back and you look at like the, 
the pagan traditions that were kind of subsumed into All Hallows Eve and see that this has been some this has been something that people have been doing for a very long time. And I think we've talked about this before, you know, off off camera, off mic, so to speak, about how um, when the temperatures start to drop, when people are claiming their, you know, fall harvest of the things that they've planted throughout the spring and the summer, they're kind of like preparing for the long, uncertain, dark and difficult winter. So I think that that's kind of something that's at the root of a lot of Halloween observations or not observations, observances rather is the knowledge of this kind of looming uncertainty. So Halloween is an opportunity to kind of, you know, like, like you just said, to, to, to face it, to embrace it um, and to um, kind of like prepare yourself to an extent. And now we've taken that and added all sorts of different decorative elements uh, and the spoopiness of it all. And it's become a way for us to, to kind of like have fun and find joy in this, this period where we're kind of, you know, again, stepping into the unknown, stepping into the uncharted waters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was sort of that thing of, you know, the end of the harvest, the days are getting shorter. Night is coming earlier. The trees around you are literally dying with their fallen leaves. It's yeah, it's exactly what you said of just starting to sort of prepare for the oncoming winter and winter is still very hard um, in lots of places for lots of people. But, you know, back in, in the day of, of like Samhain and stuff, like it was much harder. People died a lot more because of some of the, the more elemental challenges of winter. And so taking that time to really, you know, acknowledge nature and acknowledge what had come and, you know, pray to whatever spiritual guidance you had and maybe to some of your ancestors who had been lost in, in hopes of having a good healthy winter like that's that's a lot of what it was about it was taking that time to confront those oncoming fears and prepare for them yeah exactly um and i think we'll <laughs> we're sort of jumping the gun as as we have want to do we'll get a little bit more into that later i think but i wanted to um i had i had an excerpt prepared uh, <laughs> uh from a, a halloween textbook um so I, I read this book a few years ago, and there was one thing that stood out to me that I wanted to share with uh, Bo and his wife Sloan, because as, as Bo was saying, Halloween is a very important thing in their household. Um, they always host this big Halloween party. It's a, it's a big thing in the friendship between the three of us that I think we share. So, you know, at least when I see a lot of Halloween things, I like to share them with both of you. And so there was this one line from this book where the author referred to Halloween as a cultural collision of glitter and grave dust. And I just thought it was the best thing I had ever heard. And I think I might've proposed it as a couple name for the two of you. <laughs> One of you is glitter the other is grave dust. <laughs> You're both kind of glitter and grave dust. I don't know. We still fight over who's yeah, who. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, but it's definitely the definition of your relationship somehow. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, and like you think that that really ties into like you know the 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 spirit of <laughs> spirit uh, of the observation of Halloween because it's like if if it's a collision of glitter and grave dust, you know the 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 grave dust is is the reality, the harsher elements of it, the the un, the the need for preparedness, the unknown, mm -hmm. the risk of you know living another year on this planet, and the glitter is the things that we do to add a certain degree of, and, and I don't want to sound 
you know, like, uh, like I'm discounting the, that reality, but adding some fun to it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love well, and so to elaborate on that, I did want to read. I went back and found um, the first time that that phrase is used in this book. And and by the way, I'll put a link to this book um, in the show notes. But it's called Halloween: The History of America's Darkest Holiday by David J. Skull. This is actually the second edition. I originally read the first edition, which had a totally different title, so it's kind of confusing. Uh, the first edition was called Death Makes a Holiday, I think, which kind of leans into <laughs> what we were just saying. Um, and also, the the first edition had a much better cover. I, don't, I feel like they made a mistake on the second edition of the cover. It just looks very hokey now. But whatever. Now you have all the information if you want to look up the book on your own. But anyways, here's uh, the paragraph in which he sort of talks about, well, uses that term, but also just kind of talks about some of the different paradoxes of Halloween and, and why it does resonate with so many of us. The cultural collisions, controversies, and occasional catastrophes attending Halloween may simply be hardwired into a holiday forged from the tug of war between glitter and grave dust, the sacred and the profane, order and lawlessness, the mainstream and the marginalized. Conflict and consternation are likely unavoidable in a celebration based on pranks, reversals, and the ritual suspension of propriety. Despite the best and sometimes worst efforts of people on all sides of the sociopolitical spectrum, Halloween is a holiday that refuses to play by anyone's rules. Unpredictable and unrepentant, Halloween also remains stubbornly unofficial and underground, and this may be the key to understanding the tumult that regularly erupts in its name. Despite the considerable cultural space Halloween now occupies, despite the billions of dollars it annually spends, And despite the passionate commitment millions devote to the holiday, no legislative body has ever seriously considered making it legal. Which I found interesting. I did not fact check, but but I think that's interesting that it's actually not technically a legal holiday. That's wild. I actually never really thought about that. You know, uh, it's it's funny uh, that we're doing this today. Um, Just kind of something that's on my mind is... uh, so, so t- the, the date of recording is October 12th, uh, which is Indigenous Peoples Day in the year of somebody's Lord mm-hmm. 2020. Um, and today we also had a rather, um, oh, what's the word? Creative proclamation issued by the sitting president um, talking about... I may have missed this. Oh, thank your lucky stars. Um, talking about, you know, w- w- basically when a federal holiday is declared... Each president makes a show of proclaiming that it's this holiday. So I'm saying Indigenous Peoples Day, but of course the federal holiday is Columbus Day. And the president made this big show of issuing his proclamation very publicly and, and you know, just, just, just filling it with all sorts of um, – the word that I want to use or, is revisionist history, but I actually believe that history does need some revising. So mm-hmm. let's just call it, I don't know – making shit up uh, or, 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 you know, it's not even making shit up. It's, it's stuff that happened, but it's uh, whitewashed and sanitized and just, just not good history. And it's interesting to think about. I feel like because that people are listening to this in the future, I am the only person currently listening to you ever who will not know what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm in such suspense right now because I didn't follow the news today. And so I don't know where you're well, going. Well, again, you made the right choice. You can look it up if you want. It's just another thing to get mad at the president about. 
Um, but it's interesting to think about the relationship between official holidays and unofficial holidays and what that means when it comes to, you know, the people's observance of them. Like there's something that I find really endearing in the fact that there isn't like an official Halloween commission. There's probably a couple of organizations that yeah. will tout themselves as that, or like, you know, a town that says that they're the the Certainly. capital of Halloween or something like that. Uh, but the fact that there isn't quick side note, my hometown did self declare itself the Christmas capital of Texas. Yeah. See stuff like that. There has now been a, a, a statewide proclamation made, but yeah. So indeed towns do do things. Yeah. Like that. And and it's kind of cool to think that, like, you know, that hasn't happened with Halloween. It doesn't belong to any governing body. It belongs to us. It belongs to all of us. And that's, that's yeah. you know, all of us who choose to observe. I know, I know that there, there are different cultural uh, interpretations and, and different yeah. ways of, of, of being where people just don't observe Halloween. That's peachy keen. I'm not trying to rub it in anybody's face. But for the people that do observe it, I think it's really cool that there isn't, you know, there, there, there aren't. Halloween regulators walking around with rulers ready to slap you on the wrist for, you know, stepping outside of the Halloween lines. Yeah. Are you going to tell me what this proclamation was from the president? (laughs) Well, it it was, it's just, I'm still waiting. It's just his, his Columbus day proclamation where he, he, he goes on this big, wait, he knows that like FDR proclaimed it in 34. Well, that's what I'm saying is that like, um, so I, I, I'm not sure how official this has to be, but I have noticed that every year that there's a a federal observance, there's like a, an additional proclamation that's like, Oh, in case you forgot today's official day of blank. Um, and so this is, Mm. this is his version for this year where it actually ends by saying what the actual history of it is. And so it's like, therefore on this day, October 12th, 2020, I Dick hole B Jack had, um, proclaim this to be whatever. Um, so, yeah, but but the the stuff that comes before that is, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 Stephen Miller ranting from behind the curtain about um, how awesome Christopher Columbus is and how bad any attempts to look at history through a critical lenses um, and goes on to tout the executive order against anybody who would damage a, a, a monument to Christopher Columbus, a, uh, the 1776 commission or whatever the hell their knockoff, you know, bootleg 1619 project is. Um, and a couple of other of their, you know, white supremacist song and dance. Basically it's, it's just patting himself on the back for that dumb shit while also being like, you know, kind of, kind of giving the finger at the idea of indigenous people's day, which, uh, you know, what would you expect? Yeah, gosh, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> man. Sorry, I mean, sorry for that listen, tangent. The good news is, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, in, again, going back to sort of what is an official holiday, uh, the good news is tons of people personally celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, but also 14 states and growing officially celebrate it. Um, and I just learned today that it's actually um, for many years been part of a United Nations proclamation uh, going beyond just the U.S., although um, celebrated in sort of recognition, in solidarity with the indigenous peoples of America, um, of of the United States specifically. But yeah, so I mean, just another way that the U.S. is breaking other accords with the United Nations. Yeah, just another. Yeah, you know, who who said that we needed to be part of the United Nations? Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Hey, let but hey, you know, we're talking about confronting scary things. This is just a, another scary part of our current reality. This is very true. So so to go back to the initial question, if any year 
is the year for Halloween. It's probably this one. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it keeps on throwing stuff at us. Yeah, no, it it absolutely does. I mean, I was watching, um, there's, oh, and I cannot remember her name, but it's a comedian on YouTube. She does like sketch comedy on YouTube and she's been doing a series of videos. The first one went viral of just sort of like talking to her past self about the pandemic. And so I think the first one was like, you know, in April and talking to her 2019 self and trying to explain what's going on. But then every few months she's done it again. And it's just like, it's wild to watch what we thought was so much in June and and in July and then now. And even it made me think about like, boy, in 2016, even before the election, we thought stuff was going off the rails. I listened to a podcast today. um, What is the podcast called? It's like you don't know or you're wrong about or (laughs) something. Uh, But the, the topic was killer clowns. And so, of course, they go all the way back through, you know, through the history starting in the mid 20th century of the different alleged killer clowns. And of course, usually the killer clowns are just a hoax. Um, or a coincidence, John Wayne Gacy, Gacy, John Wayne Gacy, Gacy, what was his name? Gacy, yeah. Gacy, yeah, yeah. He, um, him being a clown actually was not connected to his serial killer stuff at all. He didn't use it to lure in uh, his victims. It was just like a thing he did on the side that actually kind of seems like was part of what he was trying to do to make him feel like he was a decent person and contributing to society. Weird history. Anyways, That's the point wild. is, I was listening to a podcast about killer clowns today and <laughs> just thinking does. about how in 2016, yeah, but in 2016, you know, before the election results, when the election was just happening, the general election in the U.S. here, um, and the killer clowns thing was happening, and there were a few other things happening, and we, I remember having the sense of like, oh my gosh, everything is going off the rails. This is just like, how could it get more wild and and terrible than this? And like, oh my gosh, I would give anything to be in the summer of 2016 now. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, and so just sort of. Thinking about that and and then the videos I was watching that have that same sentiment, but from even just a few months ago is just such a huge reminder that I need to get rid of that idea, that idea of like, oh, this is the worst it can get or like there can't be more than this because if this year has taught us anything, there can always be more. Um, It can always be worse. And so we just have to be ready to confront that and we have to find ways to be able to like cope and and deal and and be okay with things as as best as we can as they go along and sort of have more internal ways of confronting them ourselves and getting through it that aren't necessarily as dependent on external factors wow sorry that that's that was heavy (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry was that too heavy for our fun halloween episode (laughs) (laughs) no i think it was perfect like, but it was just like, yeah, like mm, we, we, we do need to figure out our ways of, of coping, of dealing and of finding joy during this time. And I think that, you know, looking back at what the, the history and what the spirit of Halloween has been, you know, aside from, aside from just like fun costumes and candy and that sort of stuff. And it's funny for me to talk so seriously about something that is by nature kind of tongue in cheek. I think of a lot about how, um, when, when you get into the syncretic religions of the Caribbean, uh, things like Santeria and, and, and voodoo, um, uh, a, a lot of, a, a, an overarching characteristic of a lot of the spirits and characters that are involved in, the belief system there is like this ribald sense of humor. So like, 
you'll be hanging out with like the spirit that represents death and like the, the, the person who is the inspiration for the devil meeting you at the crossroads, um, who's a spirit drawn from this, this tradition. And like, that's a really serious, you know, that's a, that's a weighty presence to, to consider, but they also tell like dirty jokes and get drunk on rum. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to, to look at how effectively the very serious life or death issues that are always present and that in some cases have been amplified by this year to look at how those issues will be mirrored and kind of upended by our attempts to find joy in them. Like whether it's watching a scary movie, whether it's eating candy, whether it's, you know, dressing up as your favorite character or, 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 or just like, you know, being bonkers and doing pranks or something like that. It's very, very interesting to see the dichotomy between the, the joy, the mischief, the chaos and the, you know, real world consequence of things. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> well, no. And, and you know, you, you made to, to go back to clowns briefly, <laughs> um, you know, you, you made me think about how the, the clown archetype in, in literature and in, in classic theater and, you know, going back, I, I think to like the, the Grecian stories even is, is not the clown as we would think of it now with the kind of, bozo type of makeup and hair it was just like the trickster archetype i mean heck going back to mythology like loki was the clown archetype um Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily this purely um although we would all obviously disagree these days when we all find clowns creepy but it wasn't meant to be this like purely (laughs) like um joyful funny for children kind of thing it was um it was more like the trickster who's going to play tricks on you and in some ways that are like really terrible in confronting with mortality and also like the court jester who is the only one who's allowed to speak plainly to the king you know those kinds of things in some of shakespeare's plays the clown figure is like this depressed dude that's hanging around and saying all the like most serious things and packed full of wisdom like that's what the clown archetype used to be and it is kind of interesting that we have almost gone full circle as a society of like clowns are pretty much just scary to people now. Um, (laughs) There was some like, and this is pulling from the podcast I listened to earlier. I hadn't heard this before, but apparently there was some type of like study done at one point in 2008. They took a bunch of four to six year olds and were going to like redesign a hospital like wing for them or something. And every single child said they did not want clowns. <laughs> like it's it clowns are not a thing that children like anymore. So we've kind of gone back to clowns are just kind of scary and creepy again. <laughs> um and that's what they used to be. And it's interesting that we have that because in the second half of the the twentieth century and the first part of the twenty first century, we had so many of those like hoaxes about like killer murderous clowns. And then in reaction to that, we got things like Stephen King's novel It and then the movies It and then like all kinds of other horror films with creepy scary clowns in them so exactly what you were saying of how we're mirroring those things that we get scared of in real life and like oh all of the different ways that it plays out is just like so weird but it kind of goes back to you again what you were saying about just melding the uh the humor into the fear as well like you know finding a way to oh it's like i don't really want to bring up harry potter but it's like the bogarts and harry potter how do you defeat it you make it funny somehow it shows yeah. you your worst fear and you have to find a way to make it funny yeah no, dude that and was I'm actually sure that the... is pulled from all kinds of like cultural references that 
were slightly appropriated that we're not aware of. <laughs> it's a, there's there's a chance. Uh, I, I think boggarts are, are are somewhere like actually in like European mythology and, and like you know they're they're kind of like yeah they yeah it the as a creature sort of not thing. not in the same yeah not in the same application or whatever is the way J.K. Rowling used them but definitely like the the creature exists beyond yeah. the Harry Potter canon. Yeah, canon. yeah that uh, that that comparison was definitely like right on the tip of my tongue. So. <laughs> It's it's not it's not nuts <laughs> that you brought it up, but it's so so that that has me thinking like we've been talking a whole lot about Halloween is kind of like this this mirror on society and this way to kind of like, you know, inject a certain degree of of affirmation and fun and mischief into this otherwise kind of difficult time. And I kind of want to, you know, to, to, to you to use the mirror metaphor, I kind of pick that up and also use it as a as a way to look at ourselves right like that's that's something that i i when, when i think of like what does halloween mean to me the first big bucket is definitely all this stuff that we've been talking about like even growing up in like central texas where it never gets particularly cold like you knew that halloween the 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 air just feels different like it doesn't have that like blanket like soupy quality of summer it it just feels a little bit more like you're being kind of wrapped up in something, which is funny to say it doesn't feel like a blanket, but it, it feels more like a, like a, like an enfolding sort of thing as opposed to a smothering sort of thing. Um, I, I do feel like there's, there's a certain smell, you know, there's that crispness in, yeah. in the air, but also certain smell. That, but it is funny that, that we say this when, as you brought up, we both grew up in Texas and I remember like seeing maybe movies or even just like my cousins who lived up north and how they would as children, you know, their parents would be planning their Halloween costumes around the idea of maybe having to wear like, you know, sweatpants underneath it or a, a winter jacket on top. Meanwhile, in Texas, it's like, all right, is that long sleeve grocery store costume going to be too hot for the end of October when it might be 80 degrees? Oh, dude, I had so many like sweltering Halloween costumes. Oh, so uh, hot. Yeah, especially especially like in the late late 90s and early 2000s because every cool character wore like trench coats over sweaters <laughs> so that, that that was always fun um you know actually yeah before before i get into what i was what i was gonna say um i'm i'm curious do you, do you have any like favorite costumes that you've had or anything like that oh man um i was a Ghostbuster one year, which I really liked. I feel like Ghostbuster and Peter Pan, which I think were back to back. And those were high school, actually, because my my high school let us wear Halloween costumes to school. Oh, that's um, awesome. But because we had a lot of more conservative Christians who did not celebrate Halloween, we weren't allowed to call it Halloween. So they called it Goblin Day. And I have... <laughs> No idea where that came from, but I think it's the coolest sounding thing ever. Like, I still think it's such a cool phrase. Like, Goblin Day. Goblin Day. Yeah, that that actually, honestly, that sounds more sinister than Halloween to me. Like, if I were... Well, and, it, and, and that... Oh, I was just going to say Goblin Day does kind of fit more with, like, the late 1800s, early 1900s conception of Halloween, which is more like the mischief night of, like, that's when kids would just go out and, like, cause havoc all over town yeah or like the the whole devil's night thing yeah yeah that, that that's awesome also great choices um i was a ghost so i was an astronaut i don't know five or six times in a row um because that's all i <laughs> skeleton to be my, was life. my repeating one as a small child yeah it was always a skeleton 
there's there's always a classic that that makes repeat appearances. But then one year I rented Ghostbusters two, not realizing that there mm. was a Ghostbusters one. By the way, I thought it was I thought that was the movie Ghostbusters two, and so I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know what I rewatched Ghostbusters two last year. There's a lot of sexy stuff in that one. Um, so wow. I I, I don't I don't know. I guess maybe my parent maybe. My parents are a little loosey goosey with some of the some of the stuff that were rules in in our house, um, but I think that maybe they also just didn't rec- like remember the movie because it came out in like 1992 or whenever it did. So it's not like mm-hmm. you know they would have seen it recently. Uh, but I rented it from the same video store inside of Walmart every weekend for like a year. Uh, it would just be it would be me, the same v- VHS of Ghostbusters two a small pizza from Papa John's. And this is the same thing that would then repeat when I got really into (laughs) James Bond. Um, But because of that, that year, my mom took my astronaut costume and outfitted it with a name tag and a logo and all this other stuff to turn it into a Ghostbusters costume. Wow. Cool move, mom. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, that was the jam. So that was, that was a good one. And then she, she, she made the best Halloween costumes. Mom, if you're listening, you're, you're the shit. Um, so she took me and my friend to see Blade. Have you seen Blade? I haven't. Oh my God. It's incredible. It's on the list. Uh, d- dear listeners, part, part of my virtual Halloween thing was putting together a movie list that I sent, that I sent to people. So if anyone's interested in that, maybe I Alamo doom house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alamo doom house. We called it. Uh, but Blade's on the list. Um, also, I just have to uh, brag about about you and Sloan for a minute. They also developed a Skullville rating instead of a Scoville rating. So you know how scary the movie is before you watch it based on the Skullville rating that it has. The Scoville rating rates spiciness. The Skullville rating rates spookiness. So, you know, it, it made sense. Um, <laughs> that that That's a Sloan idea. I can't take any credit for that. Um but yeah, so so Blade is about Wesley Snipes as a vampire hunter, and I wanted so badly to be Blade. So my mom made me like like he has a, he has like armor and a trench coat and all these like silver stakes for killing vampires and all that sort of stuff. She made me all of this shit with like wow uh, aluminum foil tape and a catcher's uh, chest pad and all that sort of stuff. Um, and what's interesting is that it never. <laughs> It's it, it's fun. It's funny to think about it now. Is that n- neither? I don't know necessarily how to say this properly. So I'm probably going to sound like a total weirdo. But neither of us once looked at me, and then looked at Wesley Snipes and was like, "Hmm, what's different about this?" And mm. I think that that is a, a, a testament to both my mom and me at age eight to know that um, blackface is never okay. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. Just don't do it. If you want to be a character that's a, that's a different race or ethnicity than you go for it, but don't do blank face. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I have, I have seen a few people being like, okay, you know, you, we can give a little bit of leeway for children, but also maybe that's a conversation parents should be having with them. It's complicated. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't remember a conversation, but I feel like trying to imagine myself being, you know, I'm, I'm transporting my, my, my consciousness back into eight year old, nine year old me, being like, um, oh man, this costume is so great, but shouldn't I try to look darker? And my mom just being like, nope, <laughs> that, that's the conversation. <laughs> I also like, don't feel like you would have thought that. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I ever did as a kid. Like it's, it's always been a really weird leap to me for someone who is like, oh yes, now I must change my skin color to 
for this costume. I, it's very strange to me. I don't know. I, I was a kind of a dumb kid, so I, I, I don't put anything <laughs> at that age. But anyway, yeah. So, um, well, go ahead. I, I wanted to to bring up one completely unrelated thing from your anecdote there, which was just that it was only the other day that I remembered that we had video rentals inside of grocery stores. It's not just that there were video rental stores. They, they were like small versions of them in some grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot about that until the other day. And dear listener, this is not Redbox that we're talking about, at least for me. Like mine was no. inside of the Walmart. This was many, many years before Redbox. Yeah, exactly. Inside of the Walmart next to the hair salon and or between the hair salon and the place where you got your really bad pictures taken. There was I forgot video. there was a hair salon yeah. and the pharmacy and then the photo place. Yeah, the our, photo our place. video rentals were by the photo place. That's weird. We didn't we didn't grow up in the same town, but I think we might have gone to the same Walmart. No, this was a Tom Thumb. Wait, what? Which I don't know if you had those in Tom Thumb. The yeah, it's a very a North Thumb? Texas <laughs> chain. It's I think it's owned by Albertsons, oh, but a, it's just called Tom amazing. Thumb. Next next <laughs> The mascot looks like a combination of like a comic cartoon version of the actual Tom man, Thumb. Tom Thumb, mixed with uh, kind of like the Pillsbury Doughboy or the Swedish Chef all like Jeez. put together. It was next episode yeah, of Everything's know, Bigger. We're going to go deep cut into weird grocery store chains, folks. Um, Heck yeah. Win Dixie all the way. <laughs> Piggly Wiggly. Is that one still? That's apparently a real a real chain. Yeah. Cool. Not a grocery store, but uh, Wawa. I always thought it was a joke. <laughs> oh, Wawa. Yeah, that's a new one. Did we go to, did we have the same Wawa first time experience together on that camping trip? Or had you been I, I had been before, but it was still incredibly special to me. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, thanks for the kind of like trip down memory lane there. Like I, I just wanted to. to, to <laughs> always good for that. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, I just wanted to talk costumes because like, you know, we're talking about how Halloween as like a cultural phenomenon is this mirror on society and is this kind of, you know, heavy on the inside. It's like, it's like a nougat candy. It's heavy on the inside, but it's, it's crisp and and fun on the outside. Um, Mm. and, and that, that might be what Halloween means for like society, but I think on an, on an individual level, holding that mirror up to us as individuals, Halloween, you know, it, 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 Every time that Halloween is on the horizon, we have to ask ourselves the most difficult question in human existence, which is, what do you want to be? <laughs> and I, I, I think it's it, that, that's, that's like a, a really, you know, interesting thing about the holiday because, you know, it's not just like, who do you want to dress up as because you think it looks cool, but it's like, who do you think, what do you think re- reflects you? What do you think represents you? Yeah. And I'm sure that there are people who don't give it nearly as much thought as I'm giving it right now. Like there are probably like, and I, I, I've, I've been that. I remember one year, um, I didn't, I was working retail and we had weird hours and I didn't have time to put together a costume. So I went to the target underneath the store where I worked and bought like whatever makeup was left. And it was a, it was like a, you know, build your own devil kit. And so I put on a dare t-shirt and the devil makeup with little <laughs> horns and I was daredevil. So oh, that was, clever. you know, not, not, 
not particularly, you know, reflective of who I am as a person, although I do love Daredevil and Satan. Um, but I did it, have, it got, it, oh, I was just going to go on, on last minute Halloween costumes because I'm, I'm with you. Usually there's a lot of preparation that goes in and a lot of thought. But there was one year and I think it was the first year I ever went to one of your parties. Uh, I was sick. I, I don't know if I had a bad cold or what, but I was not feeling well. And so I decided to just put on a skeleton hoodie that I had. And this was the year that the, uh, oh, what is his name? David S. Pumpkins, that Tom Hanks SNL <laughs> sketch had just debuted. Um, and so I decided to go as none David S. Pumpkins with left skeleton. And that's what I told people <laughs> I was. But really, I was just wearing a skeleton I hoodie. That. I was just so sick. And then you had you had that whole Stranger Things set up. And so I was able to just sit in the corner of your living room and eat waffles out of a toaster that you had put there as a setup. It was the best party ever. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, man, that was great. You know, um, that tree or like the stuff that that Sloan did on the on the chalkboard wall, it didn't come off until we moved. <laughs> oh, man. Like that, that shit was on the wall. All right. But anyways, um, you were going incredible. on a really beautiful metaphor about discovering who you are vis-a-vis the costumes of Halloween as a comparative <laughs> literature major back in the day. I am here for this and I want to hear more from you. All right. Well, I'm, I'm about to bring in the literature. Um, but yeah, so nice. while, there, while there's plenty of people and plenty of instances where you're probably not going to overthink your, your Halloween costume, as anybody who listens to this show knows, Jack and I are both professional overthinkers. So, of course, I'm going to overthink my Halloween costume and I'm going to relate it back to that question of who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And it got me thinking um, there's a, a, a show um cartoon show adult cartoon show whenever i say adult cartoon i feel like that implies dirty sexy times but it's a cartoon show for adults um anyway um recently canceled pour one out gone before it's time let's get a movie or something um the venture brothers has an episode it's a halloween episode and and can i can i stop you real quick Bo? because uh i'm i'm gonna play you know, you always need a character in the book who's like new at the school and doesn't know what anything is so that the main characters have an opportunity to explain it to the reader. Mm-hmm. I am that for our listeners now because I genuinely, even though I watched the clip you sent me, I genuinely don't really know what the Venture Brothers is about. I've heard about <laughs> it over the years, but I have no idea what the show is about. So could you just give us a quick summary of what this show is? Oh, God. It's such a weird show. Well, it, ba- it basically started out as a parody of Johnny Quest. Like kind of kind of part Johnny Quest, part oh. Hardy Boys. So if okay. you're familiar with either of those, um, and eventually though, the funny thing about the Halloween episode is that it's it's episode one of season five, or like it was a special standalone special between season four and season five, and that means that there's all this backstory that is. If you if that's the only t- only thing that you watch of it, there's all these callbacks and jokes and characters who have gone through transformations and you don't get any of that <laughs> from this episode. <laughs> You're just kind of like <laughs> dropped in context free into this scenario. But um, basically, the show um, follows this family, the Venture family, as they tussle with supervillains. And then at some point, lots of stuff starts to become kind of a pastiche of uh, like golden and silver age Marvel comic books. Like they, they get, 
they live in this big, the family lives in this big compound and they get uh, a tenant who moves into one of the, one of the rooms and starts living there. Who's basically a ripoff of Dr. Strange, Dr. Orpheus. He's the, mm. Dr. Strange is the sorcerer of Supreme. Dr. Orpheus is the master of mysticism. Uh, they, they, they both speak in like, kind of like at least comic book, Dr. Strange speaks in these kind of, uh, dramatic, you know, you have no idea that what you have trifled with that sort of stuff. Lots of hand gestures. Um, and, um, by the time the Halloween special rolls around, the show is kind of it, it's really its own thing. In order to fully explain the Venture Brothers, I, I cannot recommend enough that you just need to need to watch some of it. Um, All right. It's, it's a it's a really fun show. And it's and it's 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 very uh, referential to like lots of pop culture. And uh, it's just it's it's really fun. But it also has like these odd moments of heart. Um, one of the recurring themes throughout the show is failure, which mm. is that like. Uh, you know, the doctor venture, the, the, one of the adult leads is just a failure at being a parent to the venture twins, Hank and Dean, who are these woefully out of touch teenagers who have no idea how to actually be teenagers. Um, their arch nemesis, the monarch is the worst supervillain of all time. Um, but he just keeps on coming back. And so it's, it's just this interesting thing where, all these different characters. There's not really a good guy or a bad guy so much as just a lot of people working through their issues in the most hilarious cartoonish and like pulpy ways possible. Um, good one sentence explainer. Anyway, did, you say, did you say good one sentence ex- explainer? Yep. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> <But don't really. laughs> um, I don't know. It's Halloween. Maybe we'll go to a hell house. Yeah. Right. Um, Jeez. Um, but anyway, uh, in the Halloween special, um, how, how, how can I set this up? Uh, basically, a well, you said the show has a lot of heart, so I feel like this might be a moment of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, a bunch of the magical magical characters have kind of like messed around with things that they shouldn't mess around with because they're trying to just make Halloween creepy and scary and they actually resurrect a bunch of zombies and then that becomes a problem for everybody. And once all the zombies are taken care of, Dr. Orpheus, who's kind of the leader of the magical characters, is like, you guys don't even understand what the real meaning of Halloween is, right? That that's not what it is. And he has this this little monologue that I'm gonna I'm gonna excerpt here. I'm not gonna do the voice, um, but it's uh it's it goes a little something like this. Halloween is the night we discover who we are. Are we people who make zombie armies? Are we those who condemn others? Are our choices and costumes provocative? Or do we dress up as our ideal selves? Or are we not yet ready to decide what to be? We use this one enchanted night to perform the greatest feat of magic there is. We become ourselves. Halloween is the true magic. It's the night we discover who we really are. And scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. And I think about that a lot, like ever since seeing that, which was which was a few years ago. But it kind of really encapsulated what the what the holiday really means for me, because, you know, looking through at least my own personal experiences of like who I want to dress up as, for the most part, there have been people that I admire or characters rather that I admire. Uh, Astronauts, Mm. Ghostbusters, Blade, Vampire Killer, Um, but also, you know, Gomez Adams, the archetype the coolest dude <laughs> of all time. Um, 
a Ghostbuster again. <laughs> I'm going through. I'm going through like what my what my list of of uh, characters has been. Uh, Ichabod Crane from Sleepy Hollow. Like you know these these are these are characters that yeah they fit the stories that are evocative of Halloween, but every one of them has a certain degree of like you know this is a character that I can. Um, that I can see a, a bit of myself reflected in, or at least would hope to see a bit of myself reflected in because of something that they are capable of or something that they, um, something that they represent. And again, I know I, I have to keep on like throwing out the dis- disclaimer that I, I know that there's tons of people that probably when there's trick or treating or a party to go to, they probably roll out of bed on October 31st at five o'clock at night or something like that and just grab whatever's nearest and, and, and put something together. And I'm not trying to discount that or something like that. But I do think that Halloween presents us with a unique opportunity to sort of like, you know, if 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 for one night you didn't have to not even that you didn't have to be you because at the end of the day you choose this because you are you. But if you didn't have to necessarily conform with the circumstances that you're in and you got to be an idealized version of yourself, who would that be? And that's just, I don't know. It's it's the most oddly hopeful kind of poignant magical thing that comes out of this holiday of like, you know, debauchery and creepiness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I really like that because I think, you know, even for the people who who do put less stock into what they're going to be for Halloween, there's still an element of like you're choosing what you want to dress as, even if you're choosing from limited options or you have some other you know considerations in there, like not wanting to put much effort in or wanting to, you know, look kind of sexy or anything, which is all totally fair game. There's still an element where you are choosing something that you like. It's yeah. something that you like and you feel expresses yourself on some level, even if it's not as deep as the many of us who do dress up as a favorite character or someone that we, you know, wish we could be like or a career that didn't work out for us that we want to dress as. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a really good that, that, that's a that's a really good way to put what I was trying to say is that like it's not like there's anything less in 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 not necessarily putting quite as much effort into this because you're right at the end of the day, if you just if, if you have three masks in front of you and you pick the one on your left, you still pick that, that, th- that mask means something to you. And that's, what's going to be, you know, this, this persona that you adopt. And, um, you know, maybe it's just a way of, of just having fun, but at the same time, like what's, what's more sacred than that? Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing I got to bring in here is, um, you know, the, the little monologue you did from Venture Brothers talking about, you know, dressing up as who we are, or maybe who we're not ready to be yet. Uh, very strong trans vibes there, <laughs> there in that monologue. Um, and, you know, I think I think Halloween is very important for a lot of queer and trans people and, and gender non-conforming people, just, you know, anyone sort of figuring out their identity, which can also go beyond all of those things, but specifically in the queer and trans realms, like historically it is a very important time. And a big part of it is that opportunity for exploration and for expression, you know, a chance to dress up as how you really feel inside when maybe you either aren't ready to express yourself that way in the day to day, or you aren't able to, for some reason, um, you know, whether that's the, the circumstances of, of who you're living with or what your job is, or as it was historically, um, the, the government sanctions, uh, pulling again from that, uh, Halloween 
history book that I have. Um, and this is covered in, in a lot of other histories, but this book specifically talks about San Francisco um, back in, in the, I guess, late 50s, early 60s-ish time. Um, and how at that time it has, as it had been for a while in, um, most places in the United States, there were a lot of different laws on the books to prevent, kind of to prevent homosexuality in as many ways as you could. Um, so obviously I, it was just like the acts of homosexuality were illegal in many ways across many jurisdictions, but there were also things like a lot of cities, it was literally illegal to serve alcohol to someone who was gay in some way. Um, and there were also a lot of laws about how many articles of clothing you had to be wearing that conformed to your assigned gender. So anyone who was gender nonconforming or anyone who was trans had to, like, if they were trying to dress in the way that truly expressed who they were, they had to make sure to have on, like, I don't know, underwear or something that was still their birth sex adherence to otherwise they could be arrested there were just all of these ways as happens with so many different marginalized communities and identities there were all of these laws that were specifically made um to make life hell and and give credence to be able to arrest and persecute these people um but at least in san francisco on halloween a lot of the like vice squads that were most notorious for busting people on all of these laws on halloween they would sort of give them a free night and so not only was it already a day where you got to kind of like dress however you wanted and party, but like it was also a day where you weren't going to be harassed as much as usual. And that's sort of where we get some of the origins of Halloween being such an important day in the LGBTQ plus community, because it was literally the one night where people could be themselves without fear of arrest in some cities in the U.S. that, that had these laws on the books. So it's a little kind of interesting footnote in there. Um, in in the idea of Halloween, even beyond this population, being a day to be yourselves. It's the greatest feat of magic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, the, it's the simplest, the simplest goal, but in, in, in a lot of ways and, and for a lot of people, it's the hardest thing to do. And I feel like, you know, not to put it all on this one day, but I do think that there's something special about Halloween that, just i don't know it might it might be it might be as you're talking about in this in these scenarios an actual lifting of of restrictions um it might be giving the individual a certain degree of of courage or confidence but with you know what any way you look at it with with this kind of lens it's providing a freedom that even if it's temporary is i don't know it's it's just so it's it's so pure if all you want to do is dress in a way that makes you feel like you're you whether that is wearing you know different articles of clothing that express yourself differently or dressing up as a superhero it doesn't matter which one it is it could be both you just get the you get to experience this freedom you could it could be both I was I when I first uh, said get, that I was saying it just that. sort of as a glib like why not thing and then realized that I literally did that <laughs> myself so <laughs> uh, 
Um, See, it's 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 great. It's 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 magical. No, it it is. And, you know, and I think in these cases where we are talking about someone who's maybe using um, Halloween as a vehicle for exploring their identity, it's another way of that confronting the tough truths that we were talking about to begin with, Um, because as you know, happy and great and awesome as coming to terms with who you are is and, and coming out and all that kind of stuff. It's incredibly difficult and frightening. It's a very, very scary thing. Um, and, you know, in confronting those truths, like, I think that is sort of just such a strong element of Halloween. And so I kind of wanted to to shift us a little to going back to that conversation about, uh, some of the, the macabre elements of Halloween and its ties to our own mortality and, and facing those tough truths about our own mortality and, and, um, you know, the the passing of people we love and Halloween traditionally being this time of recognizing when the veil between the living and the dead is is thinner than ever. Yeah, I, 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 I love I love that that expression. I've I've said it before, but like it really does feel like the 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 wall between one world and the next world is at its thinnest. It's permeable. Um, and I think that that is something that like it ties back to to something that I, I didn't really grow up with. I, I was aware of it, um, but it wasn't super big in, in my immediate family. It's become it's become bigger and more significant now. But it's something that um, I got to embrace a little bit later on in life, and that's the observance of Dia de Muertos or Dia de los Muertos, depending on on how you how, how you want to say. It. But it's you know the 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 Mexican tradition of Day of the Dead, and I think that so Halloween since day of the dead lines up with all saints day and all souls day, uh, Halloween kind of acts as this sort of kickoff kind of, you know, the, 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 the pre-show if, if, if the opening act, if it were, um, to these other observances. And I feel like Halloween is kind of like, if the, if the doors are unlocking, if the walls are getting thinner, Halloween is the night that all those barriers get opened up. And that way you get to really feel that kind of crossing over this the crossing of liminal space for the next two days during the observance of the, of Dia de los Muertos. Um, and for, for someone who observes this, like I'm not a particularly religious person. I like the idea of religious traditions um, and I like the the stories behind them, and, and I want to say mythology. I feel like when you say mythology, that implies that it's not true, and I don't necessarily think that, but I do like mythology in the sense of these are the sets of stories that that uh, illustrate these belief systems. Um, and so when you get into the mythology of Dia de los Muertos, um, it's the one thing that I've actually kind of claimed as my own as something that I can, I don't know, feel like I'm, I'm putting stock in and putting belief into. Um, and I think part of that ties into like, so I ha- I have kind of a personal fascination with the, with the macabre and with, and with the creepy and with the spooky and that sort of stuff. And there are, there, there, there's thoughts out there that suggest that the, the Morthos isn't spooky or scary, but at the same time, it's symbolism is we have, you know, we have, skeletons the calaveras and calacas that are doing their their daily things um we have uh you know all sorts of other things that are a little bit you know kind of on the edges 
of what we would consider to be socially acceptable at times. Um, and so I was drawn to that. I was drawn to that sort of imagery and then learning more about what the observance means and the opportunity to reconnect with um, people that you don't get to see anymore um, was something that I found to be really beautiful. Um, and I actually read an article uh, by a, a writer that I follow. Uh, her name is Kate Sanchez, and she writes for um, a lot of different like pop culture websites. But her her big project is is But Why Though, which is just like it's video games and it's movies and it's comic books. It's all over the place. Uh, but she wrote um, this this article about how being Mexican American kind of like imbues you with a, a certain degree of appreciation for for horror. Um, and she had a different experience growing up than I did, but where things kind of start to, to resonate with me is she, she quotes, uh, Guillermo del Toro, the director and writer and just all around awesome guy. Um, he has this quote where he says, um, that (laughs) no one loves life more than we do. And he's referring, I think to, to Mexicans, uh, but I'll kind of like paint that with a, a broader brush. Uh, no one loves life more than we do in a way because we're so conscious about death. So the preciousness of life standing side by side with the one place we're all going to. And that's just something that, you know, really resonates me when I think really resonates with me when I think about the in the muertos, um, because it's like this recognition of death as an, uh, as an inevitability. So it's something that doesn't have to be feared or staved off. It's just part of life. And again, when you apply that to the notion of, of people who have passed on, it's not even necessarily the ending. It's, it's kind of this transformation. And so I think that that is just like an, an extra little, I'm not quite sure what to say about it. It's just an extra little piece of this time of year that makes Halloween and the surrounding traditions and observations just a little bit more special to me personally um, because it's the one time that I can honestly say that I feel like I'm in touch with something that is a little bit bigger than me. And I have all these witches and ghosts and skeletons and monsters and two full moons in a month to thank for all that. (laughs) Oh man. I love so much about everything that you just said. Um, and, you know, I, growing up in Texas and having a, a Mexican step family, I, I've always been like peripherally aware of Dia de Muertos. Um, but, you know, last year was the first time that I went to your, uh, I don't know that you call it a celebration, a, a, what recognition, what do you call it? <laughs> An event. But when it's, I guess actually celebration I mean, actually probably is appropriate. I, I think, yeah. I think celebration works. I, I yeah, like we, we so we we set up all the we set up like the altar um and we you know encourage um people to bring things that remind them of their loved ones. So it's an observation. That I was guess. the word but I was looking for. It really is but... a celebration. That's 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 yeah, that that's the thing that I love that's one of the things that I love most about the in the Muertos is that it's not like there's somber elements, you know, it's something to be taken seriously, but much like Halloween itself, it's not a time to like yeah, be sad. Right. Unless, of course, you need to be sad. It's a, it's a, it's a time to kind of like find the 
the connection. It's and, and and a lot of times it's a very joyful connection. Yeah, and I mean, I so I I so appreciated having that opportunity last year. Um, even though it was there was there was joy infused into it. I think last year I was really in need of of time to grieve. Um, and perhaps would be this year too. Um, like you know, as many people have lost folks during this time, and um, but. Some, especially just like listening to you now and reflecting on another podcast I was listening to earlier today, I think a theme for me this year is also just confronting and becoming more comfortable with my own mortality. Um, in addition to thinking about you know the mortality of my loved ones and then the ones who have already passed. Um, in particular, a podcast I was listening to earlier today was interviewing Captain Chris Hadfield, uh, the astronaut who did the the not life on Mars, space oddity. He did the space oddity music video yeah. when he was, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he's talked about this before. I feel like he's done a lot of videos, especially like this year during the pandemic, um, talking about preparing for your own death. Um, and he just talks a lot about how important that is and how it can make you uh, just feel more calm about it. And he does talk about it specifically with death, but he also just talks about it with any hard thing. If you're facing something where you think there might be bad news, you know, news that you don't want to hear, something that might move your life in a direction that you don't want it to go in, what you can do is just prepare for it and think through every direction that that might take you and how can you be ready for it. And that way, if and when the news does come, you can just sort of receive it with a a bit more of calm and a bit more acceptance because you've sort of already readied yourself for it and you don't have to just kind of like flounder around and figure out what to do you know what to do already like there's a plan yeah that's great sorry i love that guy astronauts (laughs) Uh, he's so good oh man i know i feel like the fact that they literally can see the earth in its uh, totality from far away they really have just this is going to sound cheesy but like they've gotten the bigger picture it really sometimes they have now i'm feeling like a like a bad space fan but there there is a quote from uh an astronaut who was i think part of the apollo program where he's essentially saying like whenever i hear somebody being like closed-minded or bigoted i want to take them over to take them to the moon, grab them by the shoulders and be like, look at that. Do you see that? And just like force them to have that kind of bigger perspective. Cause when you can see things from that, it, it, it seems, it seems so, uh, so cause and effect simple, but when you can see the world from that perspective, you know, you see that the borders that the nations, the, things that we've built up to separate ourselves, we've, we put them there, you know, like they, they, they're, they're things that Mm -hmm. are within our grasp to change and to alter and to where necessary move beyond. And they seem petty in that kind of perspective. And I I think it's, I, I honestly think it's, it's pretty wild that he has that sort of, not, not the same perspective, but a similarly, um, you know, enlightened illuminated peaceful uh perspective on the idea of of death and, and and uncertainty overall like you know life itself is uncertain the greatest risk that we'll ever take is just being alive yeah um and so like the fact that death will always be a part of it it doesn't have to be a freezing factor if anything it should be a motivating factor because your death is going to be 
part of the, the, the final, you know, punctuation of your life. And so I think acknowledging it as an, as an inevitability provides a certain degree of inspiration to make whatever time that you have here count and to try to, like he says, be prepared for it, uh, both in the sense of having your affairs in order, but also just, you know, if, if, if you knew that you're going to die in 10 seconds, you could spend nine of those seconds looking back on your life and being like, yep. All right. I'm okay with this. Yeah. And you actually just reminded me of another thing that he said in the interview, which was, you know, sometimes people will say things to him like, would you really want to take a one way ticket to Mars? You know, with us knowing how long it takes to get to Mars and and just how risky it is in any of the first folks who are going to go, it's a high chance they're never coming back. And his response to that is just like, you know, life is a one way ticket, right? <laughs> like none of us know how or when we're going to die. Does it really matter to you so much where it happens? Like, and I am someone who definitely I'm just like, no way would I ever go to Mars. And I, I don't <laughs> think that opinion is changing. But to hear it in that perspective really, really changed things for me of like, yeah, life is a one way ticket. So what? Like, do do what you love, do what you're passionate about, because mm-hmm. we're we're all only here for so long. Yeah, it, it, that that's yeah, that's a that's a great way to look at it, because it's like simultaneously acknowledging the 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 risk that's inherent that's inherent in everything. But it's also not necessarily mm-hmm. like you know, screw it. And, 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 you know, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not encouraging people to be like irresponsible with their lives, but Mm -hmm. rather just to kind of like take stock of them and, 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 and be aware of it and not let the fact that there's risk involved, keep you from actually living it. Yeah. And, you know, we sort of started talking about this at the beginning, but I, you know, that's, whether it is Halloween as we celebrate it today, whether it is Dia de Mertos, whether it's Samhain, whatever this time of the year cultural traditions have existed over the eons, um, you know, I think that's a big part of what this is about is that that recognition um, and trying to find the joy or the upside or simply the uh, sort of acknowledgement at peace that you can and one last thing that I sort of wanted to tease out, um, and then, of course, if you have any final thoughts as well, but one thing that sort of occurred to me is we had been talking about how, um, especially with a lot of the earlier like pagan traditions, part of how this became a festival time was it was the end of harvest and it was time to prepare for a hard winter. And I was talking about how, um, you know, winter was was very hard, much harder back in those days, and you may or may not survive it. And one thing that stood out to me was like, all we've been hearing for a few months is how hard winter is going to be. Um, I think around the globe, but especially here in the U.S. with regards to the pandemic um, and also maybe some weather related things, my gosh. Um, But we just keep hearing over and over again how hard winter is going to be and not being someone who's ever lived in like a rural area or I don't know, like a super northern place like hearing about you need to prepare for winter and how hard winter is going to be is just like a a very new concept to me. And one which in a way does take us back to those earlier celebrations of, of Samhain or whatever you want to call those earlier days of Halloween and sort of puts us in touch with that again. So it's exactly what you said of, yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff happening in 2020. And in a way, this is the best time ever to actually be celebrating Halloween. I, I I don't know how to follow that. 
That's perfect. <laughs> now let's go to our now let's go to our segment that's named after a dick joke. <laughs> yep, that's what it's time for now. All right, now is time for our just about final segment, final like actually talky talky segment, I guess you could say, just the tip in which we give ourselves one minute each to feel the feels, whatever it is that's been on our mind this week, or just an opportunity to express our emotions, shout into the void, whatever it is, but you only get one minute. And I forgot that I need a a timer. Or actually, I think we discussed this before. I'm going to go first because we want to end on a happier note. And you said you have something happy today. Is that right? I think so. It's happy to me. Uh, all right, cool. Well then do you have any kind of timer for me? Um, let's see. So I can keep track of your time and then I'll make like an obnoxious noise on this end and I can replace it in post with something that makes more sense. I love it. Isn't this great? Like there one day, maybe we will have like an actual setup system for a timer. I feel like every single episode we're like, uh, what do we, um, okay. <laughs> you're with us as we discover it, folks. You're, you're seeing the experiment play out in real time. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're ready with your, um, annoying mouth sound. <laughs> <laughs> Got thousands. Just let me know when. All right. Let's go in three, two, one. So this week I am I'm sad I, I'm angry I'm despondent um, I feel betrayed <laughs> um, basically I also feel like karma hit me a lot um, I might get judged for this I went to the barber uh, I they are taking lots of safety protocols I felt very safe about doing it um, I haven't been since early March and I've really loved how my hair has grown out been doing the quarantine hair so I just wanted to get a little trim clean it up a little bit make it look a little bit better instead I got an accidental very big haircut that I think looks terrible and I have not taken a hat off since I got it and I'm just really upset about it because I liked the hair that I've been having and this is honestly just bringing me down across the board um, and it's it's been a rough like 24 hours since I got that haircut um and yeah i just i don't know i wanted to use my just the tip time to continue to vent about this as i have to anyone who has talked to me in the past 24 hours because i can't get over it i'm i'm uh, not dealing with it oh yeah that was an annoying mouth sound wow <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> did you want to finish your thought Oh, I did. I did it while you were making that sound. <laughs> okay, cool. So that'll be recorded on your end. Yeah. Uh, on my end, it's just solid brick of, of noise. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. But yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And, and you know, it, it is our time to feel the feels. So you even had a little bit in there where you're worried about being judged for something. But like, no, there's no judgment in just the tip. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I do hope that things uh you know time progresses in a favorable way and uh you can look back on this and laugh yeah something like that maybe are you ready are you ready for your one minute bo i've got no i've got a timer all set up yes okay great so count count me in ready set go all right so in uh because it is spooky season and it is october this is kind of the month where I don't know. It's just really significant for my wife and I. Uh, We just celebrated our three year anniversary. We got married in October. And of course, Halloween is a really big deal. And um, it just it just has me thinking today. I think about this a lot of days, actually, but uh, especially right now, since I have this 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 moment of of 
feeling whatever I need to feel. Um, I just want to say that I appreciate her. Um, this has been seven months in quarantine. Days have been difficult. Lots of stuff has been going on, um, just like in life, uh, and in the world. And sometimes it's hard to like keep things together. And so I just want to say that I really appreciate, um, having her and, um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of all I got to say. She's, uh, she, she's my best friend. Uh, she's very supportive and, um, I hope that everybody has an opportunity to have someone in your life. I, I, I forgot that my headphones are on and so only I could hear the noise. <laughs> no, it's fine. I wrapped it up perfectly. You I, did. Perfect dish. That was, that was, oh man, I had my phone right by the mic so it would pick up on it everything and forgot and then just blast it in your in your yep. headphones oh yeah i turned the volume that all sucks. the way up yeah that was not <laughs> smart all right are your ears okay um yeah but that was that was uh that was wonderful does sloan listen to the podcast will she never hear that <laughs> I, i've been trying i've been get, trying to get her to listen she, she's listened to it a couple of times she says that her voices are so soothing as she falls asleep um, oh is that so, it is that know, why think- she falls asleep I, I, hey, I don't know. I think, I think you're we're exciting that as hell. I don't talk that much to, 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 to boringify the whole thing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in any case, that was, that was a wonderful dedication. Um, and yeah, anything else you have to say before we wrap up today, Bo? Yeah, I just have, I have one thing to talk about, um, as kind of a final thought. And like, you know, we mentioned earlier that we're recording this in mid October. This episode is going to go up before the end of October, because what's the point of having a Halloween episode after Halloween? Am I right, folks? Um, but that means that we have something really scary to look forward to. And that is the 2020 presidential election. No. And so I just want to take a little bit of a moment to soapbox, good boys and girls and, and people of all identify identifiers, um, make sure that you have a plan to vote. This is not me saying that I hope you'll vote. I know you'll vote, but you should have a plan to make sure that you do it. Um, a lot of states have been making extra precautions for absentee voting. Uh, some states have been rolling those back because they suck. Um, there, is, there are early voting stations available depending on where you live and just be aware of what your local, uh, situation is like, um, to learn more about that. You can visit vote.org, which is a site that I found to be pretty helpful. You can visit your local board of elections, um, and just kind of, you know, peruse the, the, the information that's available to you to make sure that whether you're sending in an absentee ballot uh, or going to, you know, vote in person early or voting on election day in person itself, um, that you've taken all your, all the proper precautions and that you're ready to get out there and make your voice heard. Um, this election is, every election is important and that goes for your local elections and all your state and and midterm elections. But this particular election feels significant and auspicious and i think that if we're going to secure a i don't know secure a more hopeful future it's going to take all of us so if you have the means uh just make sure that you're ready to go to go and get out there 
Yeah. Um, the one thing I would add is I really like the website Ballotpedia, um, especially for all of those down ballot elections, which are so, so important. You know, maybe you're disillusioned with the idea of presidential election votings. I would still encourage you to maybe if you feel that way, like give your vote on behalf of someone who cannot vote, like, you know, the many undocumented folks in our country who are not able to vote um, or got, there's all kinds of people who are unable to vote. But yeah, if you need another reason to be convinced, those down down ballot races are so important and will have very real um, individualized impacts on your local community. So those are good ones to be getting out the vote for. And if you don't know who's running and what races you're able to vote on in those uh, next month, look up Ballotpedia. Um, they have a lot of good information out there. But what's your plan to vote? Uh, so we're doing absentee. And also, oh, before cool. I get into that, I, I just want to say thank you for bringing up Ballotpedia. That that has been a lifesaver in a lot yeah. of uh, those smaller elections. And, 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 and it, kind of, it kind of reminds you that there is no such thing as a small election. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if, if it's, you know, your city council person or somebody going on your school board. The decisions that those people are empowered to make will affect so many people. So, you know, an election is about you, but it's not just about you. It's about us and it's about a lot of other people. So just make sure to, uh, to, yeah, that's, that's a really great resource. Um, but yeah, so we, we just received our mail-in ballots, uh, which we're going to fill out with gusto. Uh, I haven't decided yet if we're going to mail them back in or try to find one of the physical drop-off boxes, but we're going to get that out and get it out early to make sure it has time to be counted. Nice. How about you? What's your plan? I am early voting. I know where my location is. I'm, I want to go right on the first day in case there are any issues. I might have a few days to clear them up. And of course, my backup plan, because we should all have backup plans here, is if that doesn't work out, then I guess I'll, I'll go on election day. I think I might need to look up in, into my backup plan a little bit more just to make sure I've got all of my uh, T's crossed and I's dotted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, my backup plan is to do early voting since I, since we already have the ballots. And if something if something is weird with them or we're not able to get it out or something like that, then yeah, I'm going to do the in-person um, at the early voting station. Yeah, awesome. Well, hopefully you all have voting plans too. Reach out to your friends. Make sure they have voting plans. Um, if you're able to help anyone, go vote. Do that as well. Do whatever you can. Um, and completely off this topic, I just have one more thing I want to share, which I forgot to earlier, which is a book recommendation. I just started reading it, so I'm only a few pages in, but I know lots of people can vouch for it. It's called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, and it is a, a new YA novel out this year. Um, and it is in part about Dia de Muertos. It's um, a queer trans guy in high school um, who whose family runs a cemetery and it's about all kinds of very interesting and awesome topics. And also was the first ever trans fiction book by a trans person to be on the New York times bestseller list, which is an amazing accomplishment that should have happened years ago. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's really awesome though. I'm, 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 I'm glad that, that, you know, that that's making that impact. Yeah, but you know, if you if you want a spooky read, if you want a trans read, if you just want to learn more about Dia de Muertos, I highly recommend this novel, and uh, we'll put some info about it in the description box if you want to go check it out. Hell yes! And if you have any questions about Dia de Muertos, I'm not like an expert, but I I, I am pretty. Um, I do take the the practice as seriously as, as I can. So if anybody wants to know anything or something like that, you know how to find us and drop your questions over there. How can they find us, Bo? 
Uh, you can find us at, uh, well, first off, let's get into how you can listen to this. Uh, you can subscribe uh, and listen to Everything's Bigger everywhere you get fine podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the YouTube as the uh, audio-visual version. This will be just audio with like a static image, I guess. I don't know. It'll, we'll, make it, we'll make it pretty. I mean, um, yeah, I'm just going to slap a, wanted- a logo on there for a while. <laughs> Occasionally, we've got video I versions while, while we're remote, but you can go watch it. Go watch the older episodes with some very shiny and slick in-studio video recordings if you would like to right exactly um and you can if you're if you're listening we encourage and we welcome uh your reviews let us know what you think uh you can review us on apple Podcasts. if you want to get in touch with us uh with questions comments or if you want to learn about the even what if like i was just ranting about you can email us at everything's bigger six nine at gmail.com and you can follow us on the social media. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at BiggerPod. And you can follow us each via our individual channels. You can follow Jack at Jack is not a bird. And you can follow me at L underscore Enmascarabo. Um, we'll write that in the show notes because I <laughs> picked a cooler name, but it's not an easier to understand name. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while you can hit up Bo on on Twitter or other social media or via our email for questions about Dia de Muertos, you can uh, ask me any questions you have about pumpkins because I know my stuff about pumpkins or I am an amateur <laughs> pumpkin, uh, not quite historian, just I just like learning about them a lot. Oh, come on. Don't don't be don't be so humble. You're Jack the Pumpkin King. <laughs> ask him your questions, folks. Tis the season. Um, but yeah. I think uh, if there's is, is if there's nothing else, this no, has that been is a it. really great conversation about. Go ahead. I was just going to say this is our longest episode ever. So yes, this is finally it. it. Is it? I thought the I thought the first quarantine. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I was going to be like I thought the first quarantine one was a minute was an hour forty five, and here we are at an hour forty nine. So yes, welcome to our longest episode ever. Things get weird when you're in quarantine, folks. But mm-hmm. um, I, I I'm I'm really glad that we did talk this much because this is something that is near and dear to both of us. Um, and you know I I hope that you, dear listener, uh, find our explorations of the history and significance of Halloween to be ghoulishly interesting <laughs> i would have come up with something alliterative but i couldn't uh <laughs> oh that's much um, better i haven't yeah. practiced my evil laugh in a while i gotta get to work on that oh man when i really warm up i can i can i can throw down with some evil <laughs> laugh um pray you never have to hear it oh man which will be the last thing you hear um but anyway this has been th- this has been great and so i just want to thank Thank you, Jack, uh, for exploring the season of spookiness with me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for indulging me in this cultural collision of grave dust and glitter. Grave dust and glitter. And dear listeners, thank you for daring to tune in. <laughs> <laughs>